0: To The Archetypist, the only analytics-based genre fiction podcast. I'm Jacob, one of your hosts with you here today to talk about sensory description. As a recap, last episode we examined scientific description or the hard data basic facts of a scene like the guitar was black, he was six feet tall, or it was raining outside. Really just setting your reader in the scene, you know, that sort of thing. In this episode, we're looking at what's called sensory description, which is much more contingent on the character's individual experience of the world. Sensory description is details presented through the human sensory perception. It puts the observer or the reader into a scene by engaging the five senses. This is a great place for you to consider how your character's experience of reality varies from your own and the other characters in your novel. I, for example, am colorblind, so I have a different Sensory experience than, say, someone who is not colorblind or someone who is totally blind, Um, which would be a more drastic example is writing a blind or deaf character. You know, how would you deal with writing a second world fantasy with an immersive setting uh, if your main character couldn't see and you couldn't describe visually to your reader exactly what was going on? Like, imagine trying to write the Stormlight Archives with a blind main character. It would be so much more difficult. However, at the heart of sensory description, it really cuts a little bit deeper than this. And since this is the first time we're talking about description in the context of a character's experience, I thought that I'd introduce this term, which I believe I coined when I was teaching undergrad. And I can't find a record of it in my notes. So if I'm taking this from somebody uh, and not realizing it, please let me know. But I think that I may have been the one who coined this. Uh, And that's the concept of what's called personal relativity. And this is the idea that every person, even if they grow up in relatively similar circumstances as a different character or different person, every person experiences the world a little bit differently. Even twins, you know, like nature versus nurture, we've studied this uh, psychologically. Obviously, this concept gets a little more obvious when we talk about emotional description, as everyone's emotional experience of an event can be drastically different. But our personal relativity affects. Subliminally, how we interpret our senses as well. Also, this is a great time to bring up another concept that plagues new writers that I learned um, from Seton Hills program is uh, the concept of the concept of filter words. And these are words like he saw, he heard, he felt, he smelled, he tasted. In short, words that put a filter between the reader and the stimulus. These words are useless, right? Um, it's just extra fat in our paragraphs, right? Instead of saying he felt, he heard, um, just let the reader experience the stimulus with the character. So instead of saying he felt raindrops falling on his head, consider saying raindrops fell on his head. Or instead of saying he saw the stars shining in the sky, consider the stars burned in the sky above. As the season goes on here, we'll talk more about filter words, um, but it's a good thing to track in your own writing and they're the first words that should go when you're editing your novel because it really does put a level, just a layer, between the reader and the character. And we really want to immerse the reader in our our fiction. Um, and that's just one easy way to eliminate just words like he saw, he felt, he heard, um, to make your prose seem more organic and more present. Anyway, consider this scene: an alcoholic, a CIA operative, and an interior designer all walk into a bar for a business meeting. They are all seated at the same table by, obviously, the same hostess. The interior designer appreciates the finishing touches on the bar across the room. He runs his fingers over the table they're seated at, and nods appreciatively at the smooth grain of the wood, probably oak. If he's not mistaken, stained dark brown, and he's pretty sure if you held a gun to his head, he could guess the brand and color. Miniwax Espresso. The CIA operative doesn't notice the table or the bar. From the moment she enters, she has her eye on the couple in the corner. There's a man dressed in a yellowing bro tank with the letters, You Mad Bro, splashed across the front. He gestures aggressively to a younger woman in a smart black suit and white blouse. A handgun, obvious enough for anyone to notice, prints through his ratty shirt. She checks the exits, the front door, the emergency exit by the bathrooms, and another near the kitchens. As the waitress walks her, the designer, and the alcoholic to their table, she hangs back, lets the waitress seat the other two first, so she can sit on the end of their booth, her back against the wall, with a clear line of sight to the arguing couple. The alcoholic doesn't notice any of this. He knew it was a bad idea to meet in the bar. But the other two don't know he's been going to AA. From the moment he walked in, the scent of booze was all he could think about. There was a pretty young woman who sat alone in one corner of the bar. She was wearing a light sundress with roses pattern across it and sipping her drink, a Macallan rare. He took a deep breath as he passed her by and let the familiar smoky scent fill his nose. He closed his eyes and turned away from her, trying to get the smell out of his head. So you see here, each person has the opportunity to experience the same stimuli when they enter the bar but a combination of their upbringing choices and nature as characters forced them to hone in on different things. These sensory experiences telegraph things about them to the reader and helps subliminally build their character without being obvious. In the above example, I named the characters as their character traits, an interior designer, a CIA operative, and an an alcoholic. However, if you properly use sensory description, you should never have to say he was an alcoholic or she was an interior designer. It should just be apparent simply from the sensory experiences portrayed to the reader. Here are a few other examples for you. He ran his fingers over the smooth black gloss of the guitar's body. He picked it up by its rich rosewood fretboard and set his hands on the worn and notched strings and began to play. His fingers tripped a quick and halting melody, pressing against the rusted tension of old steel strings. So not great. I mean, I wrote this in grad school uh, as an exercising class. I mean, it's not supposed to be beautiful. Here's another one. Under black wool, boiled leather and mail, sweat trickled icily down John's chest as he pressed the attack. That's Game of Thrones. And another one from Game of Thrones here. Tyrion Lannister looks up from his books and shivered. Though the library was snug and warm, something about the howling of a wolf took a man right out of his here and now and left him in a dark forest of the mind, running naked before the pack. Now, you try. Take the scene you wrote last time and convert it into a scene that uses only sensory imagery. Remember, your character should leave one aspect of the setting and enter another, a drastically different part of the setting. My mentor, again, used the example of moving through a dark tunnel into a bright meadow. Go ahead and do this now. And remember, we're focusing on the character's sensory experience, not the scientific facts of the scene, not the emotional significance of the setting. As we said before, we see a stimulus, which is scientific description, or it was raining. We experience it, or sensory description, cool raindrops pattered on her skin, plastering her, her hair to her face. And then we react to it, emotional, and then we make it ours or poetic. So go ahead and do that now. Okay. So to recap, sensory description is the classic show don't tell advice. And we're going to talk about that advice later on in the podcast and how it might not be the best advice all the time, but that's basically what it is. Show don't tell. It's also the type of description most often discussed in how-to craft books because it grounds the reader in the scene with the use of the five senses. It should be your bread and butter of the character experience. Not everything can be emotional. Not everything can be poetic. Not everything can be scientific. But anytime your character is experiencing the world, it is sensory. So it's really something that you should really focus on getting right in the first draft. At least for me, I know um that is where i write most of my sensory description and i layer in the poetic as i do my revisions because it's much easier to make things sound poetic than to have them come out of your brain as poetic but anyway sensory description should be your bread and butter in the next episode we'll focus on emotional description which is the chemical reaction or significance to your character's sensory reality That's all I have for you on this topic right now. So have a great rest of your day or night. And if you have any questions or comments, feel free to find us on Twitter at at archetypist underscore pod or email us at archetypistpodcast at gmail.com. And as always, stay positive, stay safe, and stay connected. Archetypists out.